in Appendix chapter the 53rd, De Hospitibus Sucipiendis, of receiving guests. That all guests that come be received like Christ himself. For he will say, I was a stranger, and he took me in. And let fitting honor be shown to all, especially to such as are of the household of the faith, and to strangers. When, therefore, a guest is announced, let him be met by the superior or the brethren with all due charity. Let them first pray together, and thus associate with one another in peace. But the kiss of peace must not be offered until after prayer on account of the delusions of the devil. In this salutation, let all humility be shown. At the arrival or departure of all guests, let Christ, who indeed is received in their persons, be adored in them by bowing the head or even prostrating on the ground. When the guests have been received, let them be led to prayer, and then let the superior or anyone who may appoint sit with them. The law of God is to be read before the guest for his edification, and afterwards let all kindness be shown. The superior may break his fast for the sake of the guest, unless it happens to be a principal fast day, which may not be broken. The brethren, however, shall observe their accustomed fasting. Let the abbot pour water on the hands of the guests, and himself, as well as the whole community, wash their feet, after which let them say this verse, We have received thy mercy, O God, in the midst of thy temple. Let special care be taken in the reception of the poor and of strangers, because in them Christ is more truly welcomed. For the very fear men have of the rich procures them honor. Let the kitchen for the abbot and guests be apart by itself, so that strangers, who are never wanting in a monastery, may not disturb the brethren by coming at unlooked-for hours. Let true brothers, who are well able to fulfill the duty, be placed in this kitchen for a year, and let help be afforded them as they require it, so that they may serve without murmuring. When they have not much to occupy them there, let them go forth to other work, wherever they may be bidden, and not only with regard to them, but in all the offices of the monastery, let there be such consideration shown that when there is need of help, it may be given them, and that when they are without work, they do whatever they are commanded. Let the care of the guest house also be entrusted to a brother whose soul is possessed with the fear of God. Let there be sufficient beds prepared there, and let the house
house of God be wisely governed by prudent men. Let no one, except he be bidden, on any account associate or converse with the guests. But if he chance to meet or to see them, after only saluting them, as we have said, and asking their blessing, let him pass on, saying that he is not permitted to talk with the guests. But thou, o Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. In ancient times, especially in the East, hospitality was considered so sacred an obligation that it was almost an act of religion. I had occasion to speak to the Little Sisters of the Poor uh, on this subject, and I quoted Book 14 of the Odyssey, in which Ulysses encounters Eumaeus in the forest. You may remember the episode. And Eumaeus exemplifies the Greek ideal of xenia, or hospitality. And this is the text. But enter this my holy roof and see our woods not void of hospitality. Then tell me whence thou art and what the share of woes and wanderings thou wert born to bear. He said, and seconding the kind request, with friendly step precedes his unknown guest. A shaggy goat's soft hide beneath him spread, and with fresh rushes heaped an apple bed. Jove touched the hero's tender soul to find so just reception from a heart so kind, and, O oh ye gods, with all your blessings, grace, he thus broke forth, this friend of human race. Swain replied, it never was our guise to slight the poor or all humane despise. For Jove unfold our hospitable door. Tis Jove that sends the stranger and the poor. Not bad, the babies. <laughs> the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ elevates the noble hospitality of the pagans and even the hospitality of the righteous sons of Abraham into a means of communion with the Most Holy Trinity. St. Benedict explicitly quotes the words of our Lord, I was a stranger, understand foreigner, and you took me in. There is, however, another utterance of our Lord that illuminates from within this whole chapter Amen, amen, I say to you. He that receiveth whomsoever I send, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. For St. Benedict, those who knock at the door of the monastery are Christ, are sent by Christ. They are emissaries of the Lord Christ, our true King. In welcoming the emissaries of the King, it is the King himself who is welcomed. And in opening the doors to Christ, the monastery is sanctified by the presence of 
the Father and of the Holy Ghost. St. Benedict concerns himself with the most pragmatic and homely details of hospitality. He does this because, in the light of faith, he sees hospitality as a kind of sacrament. It is characteristically Benedictine to find the mystic that is hidden to find things in what is holy, in the humble realities of hearth and table, clean water for tired feet and worn hands, crisp white bed sheets, pillows and warm blankets, food and drink that is well prepared and artfully presented. The guest master's preparation of the guest room is no less important than the sacristan's preparation of the altar. Blessed Schuster speaks of the medieval practice of abbot and monks going out in procession with thurible and processional cross to meet the approaching guests. The ceremony of welcome is in effect liturgical because the whole event is sacramental. I don't think we're about to uh, start going up to the guests at the front gate with processional cross and thurible. St. Benedict does present a ritual order of welcome. First, the abbot and brethren go out with all due charity to meet the newly arrived guest or guests. The Gospels illumine this anticipation of the guest. The father of the prodigal son goes out to meet him while his son is yet on the road leading to the house. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion and running to him fell upon his neck and kissed him. The wise virgins go out to meet the bridegroom while he is yet on the way. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye forth to meet him. Martha, the sister of Lazarus, goes out to meet the Lord, who arrives at Bethany after her brother's death. Martha, therefore, as soon as she heard that Jesus was come, went to meet him. St. Benedict prescribes a liturgical gesture of adoration for the welcoming and departure of guests. The monks present are to bow or even to prostrate themselves on the ground. For St. Benedict, the arrival of guests is a theological moment, an opportunity to recognize the presence of Christ and to adore him. For where there are two or three gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Nowhere does the secular gesture of shaking hands enter into the Benedictine ritual of welcome. In every detail of life, St. Benedict would have his sons seek for things that are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. After the initial greeting, there is prayer, and only then conversation. When guests have been received, let them be led to prayer, and then let the superior or anyone who may appoint sit with them. 
it's customary always to lead newly arrived guests to the oratory for a visit to the Most Blessed Sacrament. Upon entering the oratory, the monk genuflects and kneels, remaining in silent adoration for a long moment. The guests will nearly always imitate what he sees the monk doing. Sometimes it happens that the guest steps back and remains standing, unwilling to participate in the act of adoration. In such an instance, and this has happened here, the welcoming monk will silently present the guest to our Lord, asking our Lord to open the guest's heart to the mystery of his hidden presence. The last verses of the hymn Ubi caritas come to mind. Where charity and love are, God is there. As we are gathered into one body, beware, lest we be divided in mind. Let evil impulses stop, let controversy cease, and may Christ our God be in our midst. Where charity and love are, God is there, and may we with the saints also See thy face in glory, O Christ, our God. The joy that is immense and good unto the ages, through infinite ages. Amen. Before offering refreshment, guests are to be offered the word of God. The law of God is to be read before the guests for his edification, says the rule, and afterwards let all kindness be shown. The guest who arrives at the monastery must be offered the word of God before all else. St. Benedict in this way identifies the traveler with the children of Israel in the Exodus. He afflicted thee with want and gave thee manna for thy food, which neither thou nor thy fathers knew, to show that not in bread alone doth man live, but in every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Here, St. Benedict's liturgical model emerges clearly in the welcoming of guests as in Holy Mass. The hearing of the Word of God precedes the offering of the Holy Sacrifice and Holy Communion. In practice, this reading of the Word of God to guests takes place in three ways. At the Divine Office, in the Refectory, and in Spiritual Conference, or colloquies with the guest master. It is never omitted, for the man who comes to the monastery is always, albeit unconsciously, asking for the word of God. Behold, the days come, said the Lord, and I will send forth a famine to the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. And they shall move from sea to sea, and from the north to the east they shall go about seeking the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. On one or two occasions we have welcomed guests who indicated their disinclination to participate in the divine office and holy mass. The guest master, in as winsome a way as possible, and Brother Cassian is very winning, encourages guests to participate in the monastery's prayer. Prayer is what a monastic community has to offer. All the other communities
commodities of hospitality can be found in a B&B or in a hotel. The monastic guest house is not a bed and breakfast establishment, nor is it a kind of hostel for tourists. The secularization of a monastic guest house or its operation as a business is never a good sign. It suggests that the monastic community itself has lost sight of its single purpose. The words of our Lord at Bethany can in certain situations be applied to all communities. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and art troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary hath chosen the best part, which shall not be taken away from her. The ceremonial of welcome culminates in the abbot washing the hands of the guests and in the meal. Well, we practice the washing of the hands of guests at the entrance to the refectory. The washing of feet has come to be associated with the welcoming of men into the uh, novice ship. More often than not, the journey to the monastery has been long and arduous. The man who knocks at the door of the cloister arrives with bruised and soiled feet. The postulant must be made to feel welcome and offered a sacramental expression of the refreshment promised by Christ. Come to me, all you that labor and are burdened, and I will refresh you. Take up my yoke upon you and learn, because I am meek and humble of heart, and you shall find rest to your souls, for my yoke is sweet and my burden light. Finally, guests are brought to the table. This is the culminating point of the Benedictine rites of hospitality. The abbot does not merely look on while guests partake of what is set before them. He, or a monk designated by him, shares the meal with the guests, and in so doing makes it a sign of communion that effectively points to the most holy Eucharist, the sacrament of unity. Benedictine hospitality has the Eucharistic finality. <laughs>